Okay, so this is the Flogcast week two for round nine. I'm Fifey, and this week I'm once again joined by Paddle Pop and Duckula. We have a new member though, and that is the Cat Wrangler. He's a Hawthorne supporter, and he can't reveal his name because the Hawks have taken out an injunction. So, welcome, guys. G'day. Welcome. Hello. Thanks everyone for listening last week. But how do we feel about last week's one? Big, big shout out to Jaden, who's our number one fan, who hasn't been able to stop talking about the um the initial podcast, obviously. So um he was obviously pretty happy with the turnout, which makes me happy. Yeah. Well, as long as Jaden's happy, he's a highly Expected poster on Bay 13. All right, so first off, we'll start with the big Brad Scott game from Friday night, which was the match of the round in both probably, non, maybe not hype, but certainly in the result and all the events that happened with Nat Nui. So what's Duckula got to say about that game being a West Coast supporter? How did that make you feel? Well, outstanding. I think it's the first time in the Eagles' history that that a um, a game has been won by the Eagles from a kicker after the, the siren. So it was gen- like generally a, a new feeling of excitement for most people at Subiaco. But I've got to say, there's there's never been a more glaringly obvious difference in Benetra and football departments as in with these two teams. On one hand, you've got Lindsay Thomas, who who likes to think that he can play for a free and then just got nothing on Friday night. And then you've got Adam Selwood, who, quite frankly, barely got touched and he's setting up the winning play of the game, you know. And this is the difference between the two clubs, the professionalism. You know, they, our free kicks stick. Lindsay Thomas, obviously, in North Melbourne, not so much. I, I think the ending had our man Bosk flying a load of gugas all over the TV screen. He was a bit overexcited about the result seeing as the north went down it was definitely a uh, clean up event at Subiaco it was just um, it was dripping from the rafters quite frankly a legitimate boss likes this not a boo to be heard. We didn't get to spend the boos that we wanted because, you know, generally when the um the umpires go off the ground at Subiaco, that's when the you know the throats start to get sore and and you know hoarse from the, the you know the extended booing. But they escaped before you know everyone was still jumping around about the whole knickknack thing. So it was a little bit of an empty feeling inside, even though you know this fantastic win was there. I just didn't get my my full quota of boos on. Yeah, and the knickknack nearly marks only half of it. Like it was just amazing to watch Selwood just go quack and then Brad Scott go crazy in the box. Just the reaction was, well, picture says a thousand words, really. Well, can, I, I, I felt really let down that he delivered his uh, his conference like a gentleman with so much, um, you know, control. I was raised home from the game, ready to watch it, thinking, oh, you know, rubbing my hands together. And it just, it just didn't deliver. It was a, it was a let down, i got to say. Yeah, I was disappointed that there was nothing on that. I was expecting a meltdown. He clearly got a word spoken to him between getting down to the rooms and there saying, don't embarrass the club again, Brat. I think Brat really uh, left it at home and so did North. They, they just really let the fans down. He didn't give the fans what they wanted. We wanted some whinging. We wanted some tears. And uh, seriously, um, I was quite disappointed. Well, he was sick, wasn't he? He was apparently carrying a virus. Maybe he was a little bit off his game. Didn't have the energy to sook. Although, admittedly, the North Melbourne supporters did more than make up for it on Big Footy. But yeah, Nat Nui was clearly the moment of the week. Nat Nui's mark, what can I say? It was special. He was 12 deep, seriously. He was coming from so deep, it was like watching a John Holmes movie. I, in fact, think it was so special that Nick Nat's mark could be considered a miracle. I've consulted Alter Rob. Together, Alter Rob and I have come up with the top five reasons why Nick Nat's mark was a miracle. To Rob was involved, so it's in from God. The, the top reasons why Nick Nat's mark is a miracle by the cat Wrangler. Nick Nat got so high that even Jeremy Howe was looking up. Nick Nat got so high, Brad Scott was too lost for words to whinge in the presser after. Nick Nat was so high that he got a bump from Buddy halfway up. Nick Nat was so high he passed his pet duck, Adam Selwood, travelling south for the winner on the way up. Number two, when he came back down, he claimed that he could see Gary Senior reading his Bible from up there. And the number one reason 
Goodfellas by Nick Nat's Martin's Miracle, with Nick Nat got so high that when he came back down, he had to self-report. Outstanding. So well I think done. we can pretty much lay to rest that Nick Nat's Mark was a miracle. What, what does everyone say around the board? Yeah, well, you just can't write that, can you? Honestly, you cannot write that. That's it, I think. I, I remember reading a couple of posts about um, the whole joke, I hope, hope we win by a, fr- a high free kick to Shuey in the goal square, you know, at the very end. And, you know, I know that's all just kind of said in, in jest, but, yeah, most definitely. Especially after all the whole kind of Magic door hype all week and he gets subbed off and then, yeah, then the free kick is given for a high table. It's just, you know. Proved miracle. And so the second game was Brisbane Essendon, which was hilarious on its own. What do you have to say about that one, Paddle Pop? Being a Brisbane fan would have been good to get crazy bossy bit of breathing space. Definitely our best win of the season so far. Even better was the fact that we were wearing our real jumper, the one with the triple premiership line in it. Because yeah. we've been wearing the Paddle Pop all year and um, the players clearly show no pride in the Paddle Pop. In round one, we got smashed by the Bulldogs, who haven't even won a game since in the Paddle Pop. Then um, just on the weekend, we beat Essendon, who before that only lost one game, and that was to an undefeated team at the time against um, Geelong. So it shows that um, the jumper does have a big um, impact on team performance, because if the fans can't take pride in the jumper, how do you expect the players to, considering that the fans are the club? I've got to say, though, uh, Paddle Pop, that if Hawthorne can manage to win in a camouflage jumper, then surely you can overcome your Paddle Pop. Fair point. Well, so far we've only beaten Gold Coast in Melbourne this year. Tell is this a jumper uh, curse? Is this an Essendon Grey away strip curse jumper? Is that what you're trying to tell us? Big difference between a home jumper and a clash jumper. Like We have to wear this monstrosity pretty much every week. But you lose almost every week. In Boston's first season, we made the finals even because we were wearing our real jumper. And ever since then, we've changed and we haven't made the finals since. It shows that jumpers make a big difference to team performance. The most important thing that we can take from this is someone needs to give the Demons a new jumper. I agree. And I, I, look, I think you'll get a lot of support from Plugger 35 on that one, uh, Paddle. Yeah, yes, I, I agree with that. Certainly, there, there is a higher power at work. And it's not just the umpires. It's bounce of the ball and moral victories and... How about uh, Essendon their drugs? I yeah, bet that... they wish they could go back to the uh, good old days when the only injections they got were from David Hill. <laughs> I reckon they finally stripped Job of his Brownlow. He'll say, I never thought I'd say this, but Hilly's injections hurt less afterwards than Danks. It's fu- it's it's actually quite amusing to watch because it is karma and that happened with the John O'Brown mark because the more I look at it, the more the John O'Brown mark was over the line and it got paid and Essendon, it helped Essendon lose the game. Karma's come out and biting them and I just hope it doesn't stop this week. Hawthorne GWS, there wasn't a whole lot from this game really and Hawthorne just did what was expected I think the shining light that came out of GWS is just Jeremy Cameron he's just I mean I, I just love watching him play football he just puts his body into it and he's fighting he's got bucket loads of ability and well if they hold on to him they're probably pretty well set for a while what do we think of Gold Coast Bulldogs I think Bulldogs are escaping a lot of criticism like luckily right now we're just with Melbourne being around I think they're still living off the fact that they're probably, you know their prelim success that they had a few years ago is maybe you know the upward part of their cycle and now they're on the downturn but you know just for how badly they're going they're not getting they're not copying enough shit as they should be I think it turned this week with them getting beaten by a team an expansion team like Melbourne actually putting in some effort and putting in a performance of note whereas the Bulldogs probably didn't and got beaten which I think that's the difference between the two the focus will shift for at least a week to the Bulldogs I think the Melbourne team is a slightly better balance at the moment and at least they're showing something I think they're in a darker period but they might actually improve 
improved more quickly. So let's get to Saturday night's two games. Um, Swans versus Frio, 27 points up with 10 to go. You saw that, Duckula. What did you think? I could not, seriously. I got about three quarters of the way through, and I thought if I'm going to spend hours of my time bored out of my brain, I'm going to watch the so I turned it off. It was just, it was deplorable. I know the probably being a, a, like, I know at the end of a game when you're you know, a fan of either of those teams, like, and, and it comes a draw, you get that empty feeling, and, and it's a little bit more exciting topic than usual to watch, but I just couldn't stomach it after three quarters. No, no one uh, felt a little tinge in the, in the old heart muscle for the homecoming for uh, the most boring coach in the history of the league. Oh, Rossi Lyon. I think Ruse loved it in the box. Ruse watching a game like that would have been like Bruce McAvaney watching Cyril and Jetta run down the wing on grand final day. You know what I, you know what I think of when I hear Paul Ruse commentate a Sydney game? Is, I don't know if you ever went to a high school where a teacher had like a child that went to the same school and they <laughs> never had a bad thing to say about them regardless of how bad they were. I get that feeling when Paul Ruse commentates the game. Can't say anything negative about the Sydney Swans. Collingwood Geelong was an absolute cracker to watch. Seedsman well and truly arrived for the rest of the public. Bay 13's known it for a long time, but it was good to see him get involved, kicking a goal in the third that really lifted him. Serious question, though. His legs look twice the size of his torso. He just looks ridiculously like a daddy long leg spider, hey? I have to give Brian Taylor a whack for mistaking um, Sam Dwyer for Seed. Surely anyone who follows football at all should know who Seedsman is. It just makes sense that Brian Taylor's, you know, two steps behind, as usual. Well, on the topic of um, Paul Seedsman, um, apparently um, Paul Seedsman is a better player than Sterling and sexier than Mackie. Well, Mackie stuffed up. Letting Cracker waltz across the line while he's too busy pointing to himself on the screen. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I think, I think Mackie past. could be a real star if he could actually stop looking at himself on the screen. He's probably <laughs> dramatically improved. I think his ego has been inflated by his fan club. I think so. There's a bit too much man love for Mackie on the bay. One guy in particular. You just got to look at Seedsman, the way he's just copped all that attention and just water off a duck's back. I know, it is a, a real uh, testament to his character, isn't it? Actually, I think uh, Paul, Paul Seedsman needs to ring up Shorty and uh, give him a bit of a thank you because um, he could have been the next show on Makers, but the way he handled that, I was quite jealous. He, he delivered him from the, the bait hands, that fella. He, he could have been. The difference between Seedsman and Sean Makers, though, is that it, Seedsman was anointed by Short, whereas Sean Makers was anointed by Hodgepodge, and we know how those usually end. Saying it's a kiss of death if you're anointed by Hodgepodge, that's a yeah. Did anyone watch Port and Carlton? No, nah, let's move on from there. Carlton's yep. not worth talking about, surely. Forget them. <laughs> no need to talk about them. How about the Tigers? Yeah, Melbourne actually, you know, they went a bit hard. I wasn't a fan of the runner. That was, I thought that was poor form. You just, you don't touch a player no matter what the situation. But yeah, they fought and we didn't play particularly well. And it was good to see the game being won on the back of probably the two youngest players in the side, Nelson Floston. Actually, I, I'll look, look, he's in my dream team, Floston. So I'm not going to say anything about him, but really I have to back up the Demons runner because honestly Jake King must have the most punchable head in the AFL right now so I think he was holding back. I think he should have actually been paid $2,000 for stepping on Jake King as opposed to being fined. But Everyone's got one of those players but I reckon fair's fair that got to be a player who whacks him not the bloke who runs messages. They should have probably make the runner captain this week down at Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> they need to sit Jack Watts down and tell him that's what that's what you got to be like on the field. you got to, you got to be prepared to take a whack from Jake King if you're going to stand on his leg because you know Jack he would touch him with his little finger to piss King off. He wouldn't stand on him, that's for sure. You certainly wouldn't take him lightly. I think no. he handles himself pretty well out there. I thought, personally, you know, it was a big day for Melbourne. It was like a bar mitzvah out there on Sunday. It was a big big celebration coming of age for some of those young demons. Uh, clearly, their balls finally dropped because uh, they seem to find something that's been missing from uh, the, the Shemans for 
so very long and that's a heart. So they were like unrecognisable almost. They actually even, you know, stood up to the Tigers and uh, didn't let themselves be bullied. Even though they lost on the scoreboard, I thought it showed a good good indicator that there was actually something inside the chest. Jack Watts clearly wasn't on the ground, so that probably explains a lot of it. But Last game of the round was Adelaide and St Kilda and, well, umpires. St Kilda are clearly the best team in the competition and only the umpires are holding them back. You know, St Kilda don't have any duds. It's not their players' fault. It's the umpires looking after the Crows. So I think on... that the umpires only show up at St Kilda games to give the fans something to talk about, actually. It's probably part of the entertainment now because, I mean, St Kilda really are a club going nowhere except for down. So. Yeah, but their fans don't boo. They must. They need to boo more. Works for West Coast Duckula. Yeah, I know. I think if, if they need some pointers, then, you know, we're, we're always you know willing to help them out. But, yeah, they need to put in a bit more work, I think. What has came from Perth? He should know all about the booing. I think he, he holds a, a special plate in place in most West Coast supporters' heart from, from being a player that was booed when he was on our team. You know, <laughs> so he should definitely know a lot about it. But, yeah, moving on to probably, at least in his own mind, the biggest football issue of the week, Ricky Nixon, toot toot, getting drunk again. What... <laughs> <laughs> what do we have to say about that? Can, can there be anything more apt than the tooting, you know, re- reference to the train wreck that is his life at the moment? He thought, he thought, you know, that would work with the police, you know, just let him know. Yeah, he pulled himself over. Just like, the, you know, most normal blokes spend the first 30 years or so of their life kind of stuffing around, chasing tail and getting drunk and making poor decisions. He seems to be doing most of that in the, the last 30 years of his life. He's an enigma to me, Ricky, actually. Everything about him's back to front. I mean, seriously, I, I've got to go with you there, Doc. He's the ugliest man that ever He's testament to the powers of Kurt Tanker. Seriously, that man would still be carrying his V-plate if it wasn't for that drug. I mean, for instance, St Kilda, if you had something that small in your trousers, in your tool bag, I mean, really, you'd, you'd need cocaine to get laid as well, wouldn't you? I mean... It's, it's just a, an off-field supplement when you think about it, you know? This might be needed to be the performance outside of the field. Personally, although I'm not completely against Ricky's choice in women, I think he's done all right for himself for the ugliest man in the world. But yeah, that bit about, you know, supplements, it's just an off-field supplement, then Essendon really should get onto that because they're willing to try anything to increase their performance and why should why should that stop on the football field? Yeah, that's a good call, actually. Maybe we could all go around to Ricky's house and try and pick up our performance because that guy, for an ugly man, is getting laid way too much. I am jealous. He's telling you know, I'm bitter. I mean, that guy, his head, like a How about Harry O? That was oh. the best bit about Geelong and Geelong and Collingwood on the weekend. Harry doesn't um, doesn't like fat people. No, look, he was bog, Harry. He, he practically won the game for the play. Yeah, it was brilliant. And best part, he won the sled as well. Yeah, we give him a lot of crap, but he's clearly better on field than he is on Twitter. Seriously? I thought girly face Hawkins was going to cry at the end of the game. That was a precious moment for me. I loved it. He'd cry like someone on The Biggest Loser. That could be a future career move for him. But yeah, something else that cropped up during the week, and I thought this one couldn't really be missed at all, was Collingwood putting aside up to a million dollars a year to have their own television channel 24 hours. You know, that's a million dollars. That's out of the equalisation fund. I reckon North would kill for a million dollars. But with the extra... You know, that's filling 24-7 content all year. That's tough when you're only playing once a week. And I've seen the club. It's not that good. It's maybe tips on how to um, cut the Centrelink queues, how to make it go quicker, how to have the best Collingwood jump in the Centrelink queue, that's Collingwood sticker on the back of the stolen Commodore. Well, Cops has been running for 20 seasons now, so that's a pretty good way to fill in time, but... 
get a, a wealth of obviously CCTV um, footage from from train stations throughout the state. Hopefully, you know that that would obviously that would fill up a fair bit of time for him, would and and would be you know it would be like seeing yourself on TV anyway. You know, there's a Victoria Park station. Are you trying to say that cops is kind of like doubling as a kind of fan watch? Well, I'm sure many of their fans could relate to it and be like, and see some, you know, distant relatives or, you know, it could be educational in that if you don't want to get caught, don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't, run, to get caught. don't run to the prom. Yeah, seriously, there's got to be some great footage of, the, of uh, you know, Shaw and uh, his, his mates running from crime scenes. You know, we've, we've obviously got uh, some some great history there. That the police surely have got a bit of footage um, of the Pies boys. What do you reckon? I reckon Heath Shaw and Didak in the car um, when he crashed the car. That screams waiting for a mate. I think Clearly, cops is obviously the go for the Pies channel. So anyway, um, on the bay, what threads have been catching your eye? Um, bay 13 footy fan card. There's yeah. now six blacks. That's been an impressive one, particularly with... Oh, the... I'm just waiting, but when, when does Fat Dan from West Coast going to be a clear card? Yeah, he needs one. I, I still think right in front of me, guy needs one too. And Teach crying. How about that cat woman? She's clearly on medication, needs medication. Something's uh, wrong there. Isn't it a dude? You're kidding me. Duckula said last Pretty week sure it's a dude. It's like the boy George of football fans. Yeah, no, no, that, that that's a dude, isn't it? That's going to keep you up tonight. But, yeah, the other one, which I think everyone needs to look at, there's two. One, Joel Selwood in the back of the cab, the video, the Footify ad. If anyone hasn't seen that, that's certainly worth a look. Yeah, it's outstanding. And also, another one that I think's come along quite nicely is the Paul Ruse speak. I only read that just before I came on tonight, and I thought um, it could have started off a little bit better, but it didn't. But then as it got a bit further down, I think it started off by Royal. Then I started reading it in his voice, and it actually sounded like something that he would say. Flog of the week. I think we, we discussed this prior, and I think we are pretty unanimous on who it is. Who wants to know? Shame. I think we didn't even need to say his name. I think everyone knows clearly who the flog of the week was. Uh, definitely Jack Attack. I uh, did um, read that um, Bay 13 Jobs one and um, him getting owned by, I think it was Cadenia Park. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that was that was probably the highlight. The two that he made, the May premieres and the occupations one where it took about five posts in each one to really turn back on him and probably summed up his week, I'd say. I think that Duckula came across a document leaked directly from AFL House this week. That's correct. I've, I've got quite the scoop this week, and it stemmed from my, my usual um, Tuesday morning hobby of going through bins outside of people's houses, and I stumbled across a uh, quite the uh, document showing where Andy D has been spending a fair bit of money lately, and it would appear that the uh, Daily Bell Bakery in Paran has been receiving a fair bit of funds from him, and uh, he's a big fan of the uh, the Baker's Dozen Custard Horn deal, if you buy 12 years. 13-3. Quite the scoop, let me tell you. That's amazing, considering that Dimitri is on such money, he, he will go for that. he will still go the get one free. Oh, you know, look, he he recognises value when he sees it, and, and he'll take, especially when it comes to custard. Also, we received a bit of feedback, didn't we, last week? I've got one that came in from, um, this one, well, this one's all the way from the Vatican, from Rob at the Vatican, and just to say that he's forgiven us for our comments last week. Thanks, Rob. But that being said, I thought we were fine, and yeah, the fact that he took offence is laughable to say the least. So, looking forward to next week's games, starting with Friday night, Collingwood-Sydney. Pretty good clash. Both teams are similar spots on ladder. Collingwood had a good win last week, and Sydney, yeah, chucked it away. Sydney seemed to have choked a bit the last couple of weeks. It's at the MCG, so I reckon Collingwood. Sydney are definitely... They're easy draws coming out to get them. I think they're just coasting. They think they think it's all going to happen when Kurt Tippett comes along. All right, so, yeah, Dreamtime at the G. I reckon it's a fantastic 
event and it just shows how you can create a blockbuster game purely out of a Saturday night in May every year and just put that on and that's something clubs should aspire to if they want big crowds and a consistent yeah. event they don't need Anzac Day or Queen's Birthday Easter Monday all the season opener just come up with a solid concept I agree with you, mate, that the dream time of the G, not only is it something that I feel strongly about and it's genuinely Australian, like an Anzac Day, not comparing the two, but it's a football holiday to me as opposed to something running off the coattails of the Anzacs, which, you know, not everyone's comfortable with. So I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it's a great thing and um, I really love it. I look forward to it every year. As much as um, Kevin Sheedy, he gets um, called a maniac crazy and all that, he actually is um, good at um, drumming up um, big games. I think Maurice Rioli is the greatest Aboriginal player as well of all time. So I think that's a big part. To me, that's a big part of it as well. The way people want to, I guess some people would prefer it shared around, does do a bit of disservice to those who were there earlier and did it. Especially in Essendon's case, although they still have a few Aboriginal players, Sheedy was as good for the cause as any coach has been in the amount that he brought through and nurtured into great footballers just by giving them a chance. You see, that's exactly where I agree with everything you're saying because... That's a fact. Whereas Essendon and Collingwood don't actually have anything to do with Anzac Day. Mm. But certainly Richmond and Essendon have everything to do with Indigenous football. Richmond Lions against Carlton, um, which will be at the same time as Dreamtime at the G. We will be wearing our paddle pop jumper, so I expect um, Carlton to win by around five goals. Unless if Jurits um, starts the thread saying that we will beat Carlton. I, I like uh, the Lions. I think uh, there's, they're up and about. They're playing with a bit of passion, so they're a chance to beat the Blues. It'll be a good game. North Melbourne, Adelaide, that he had. They're both at a similar point. Crows haven't performed as expected. I think we can agree on that, even without Tex. And North, possibly the same, but North Melbourne needs to win this. So do the Crows, but if North lose this, I think they lose touch with the top bracket. I think North are going to count for the Crows quite comfortably. Good six goals. I think they're going to spread them uh, with their talls down forward. Oh, the Hawks are playing the cold toast, so I don't think anyone actually likes cold toast. So we can give that a big miss. Frio versus Melbourne. Well, I don't think Melbourne have much hope over there. Frio could win that by kicking one goal <laughs> and just pressing all game. That's, that's how that game could go. against um, Bulldogs. Uh, Bulldog, Bulldogs after last week, they'll be treating this like a prelim final, which doesn't bode well because they'll probably lose. But it it's a big game for them. Bulldogs and um, St Kilda will be an epic contest. It'll be up there with um, Bangladesh and Zimbabwe. And- Port versus Geelong. Well, I'll be loving it. If Port get up and win, all hell will break loose on the bay. Well, if they lose. I think Adelaide, if they win and Port lose, I think the Crows just about go past them this week on the ladder. So normality would be restored in South Australia. Either way, the bay wins. Um, And the last one, GWS West Coast. I don't think there's much to say about that. I think the West Coast will win by a mile. Yep, I agree with that. But yeah, so I think that's everything. Thanks to everyone who listened last week and for those who will listen again this week. Um, I'm Five Girls, joined by once again uh, Duckula, Paddle Pop, and the Cat Wrangler. Thanks for being with us again, guys. It's fantastic thanks to. Me. I'd like to thank Andy D's Baker, the custard. Outstanding.